This is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cavett. All right, camp season has started. I apologize at the top for my uh, makeshift empty house as we fill the second and final pod within the next 24 hours. It's been a little crazy here at the Cattles household, but uh, and I'm sure there's going to be echoing because I'm doing this in an empty house, but it is what it is. I am here. Greg is here. We're talking training camp. It began yesterday for the Patriots. And of course, this episode, like all others, brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Sign up now at FanDuel.com slash Boston, where your first MLB bet gets you 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. Greg, uh, before we start with the Patriots camp, I I wanted to hit you with a few news and notes from around the NFL that have uh, popped up this morning. Number one, Jalen Ramsey, obviously a gigantic addition for the Miami Dolphins this offseason, going to be a cornerstone of that defense outside cornerback number one. Uh, He was carted off the field earlier today with a left leg. Not much information here, but obviously something to pay attention to. Yeah, a pretty big injury um, when you talk about the AFC East. I mean, I I don't think it's, um, let's say the worst case scenario that he's lost for the year. Um, do I think it, um, you know, eliminates the Dolphins as a, say, AFC East title contender? No, I don't. I thought he was a little bit of a luxury. Um, they still have some good cornerbacks, you know, Howard, uh, Kotu. Um, they have a couple other young guys. I mean, Jalen was sort of brought in to, to be the finishing piece. So it's going to be a blow, but, you know, it's Vic Fangio would have to deal with it. And I have a lot more confidence in him figuring things out. He never had, you know, really good cornerbacks in like San Francisco um, when he was there. Remember they had to add, you know, Richard Sherman. Well, no, he wasn't even there. Um, You know, but wherever he's been, he's never really had good cornerbacks. That's part of his system that he just, he makes it work. And so uh, he's, if it was Josh Boyer having to deal with this and the amount of like (laughs) all out blitzes he does, then I'd be like, hell yeah, look out below for the dolphins. Um, but, you know, it's it's a blow depending on how big it is, uh, you know, how serious it is. But I don't think it's catastrophic um, for, for the Dolphins. Now, Nick, one thing I do not want to hear because people know that I was pushing for the Patriots to trade for Jalen Ramsey early in the offseason. Like, I don't want to hear any blying about this because, you know, just because somebody got hurt, it, I, it's injuries and production at another place has no bearing on what he might have done here. Um, and you know, look, they got Christian Gonzalez, so maybe it comes out in the wash that that they ended up better off. Um, of course, if you add Jalen Ramsey, then maybe you go offense in the first round. You know, maybe offensive tackle or something like that. So you know, there's a whole bunch of different dominoes. But I do not want to hear any blowing from anybody because what happens someplace else has no bearing on what the player might have done here. I agree with that. People fall into the trap all the time, Greg. Of oh, look at what this guy did with this team. Imagine what he could have done for the Patriots or vice versa. And it's like, well, look, different systems, different coaches, different situations, different circumstances. Uh, We have no idea what would have happened if Ramsey was a Patriot, just because this has happened today with him as a dolphin. Uh, Second injury note in the AFC East, Garrett Wilson uh, also limped off the field for the jets. Again, still waiting for information. Obviously this happened just about an hour ago or so, but uh, Garrett Wilson, number one target for Captain Rogers in, in New York, and uh, he limps off the field as well. 
Yeah, again, you know, not great. I did see a little, you know, video of him limping off the field and, you know, it didn't look at least it didn't have to be carted off like Ramsey did. Um, didn't look catastrophic. I mean, you're you're hoping it's not the dreaded high ankle sprain type of thing. But if he was going to sustain this injury, now is the best time. I mean, there's plenty of time to get healthy before the season opener, which is, you know, over a month away at this point. And, uh, you know, do, do you want him on the field to get more reps with, with Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, of course. But I think both guys are talented enough. I mean, you know, look at what happened with Randy Moss and the Patriots, you know, his first training camp. He, you know, he pulls a hamstring early. He was basically kept under wraps. And then all of a sudden week one, he's basically dunking on Darrell Revis's head. So, um, you know, again, not, not great for the jets, but you know, I wouldn't say I wouldn't move it into the huge category or anything. Last tidbit I saw, um, and look, I'm the, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole because you and I had our full thoughts last week on DeAndre Hopkins and how he could have helped this Patriots team. And, and you can check out the podcast from last week if you'd like. It's on YouTube. And when you slide by YouTube, don't forget to give us that thumbs up. We always appreciate it. But uh, further details, Greg, on the DeAndre Hopkins deal has me pretty infuriated and very, very <laughs> frustrated because when you actually look into the details and the devil's in the details, as they say, this Hopkins deal in Tennessee really is a one-year deal for like $10.5 million. So uh, that should, I think that should frustrate those people who wanted Hopkins in New England. That should frustrate you even more. And for some people who said, oh, outrageous contract, and again, you and I, Greg, last week kind of swatted that away as if we were Dikembe Mutombo. But if you were trying to hang your hat on the contract being ridiculous, I mean, come on. This is a one-year deal, just over $10 million for a guy who's been a bona fide number one receiver for a decade in the league. I completely agree, and I'm, I'm glad you brought this up, Nick, because uh, you know we heard from Mac Rowe yesterday, and he was asked about Hopkins, and he was asked about, you know, basically he made comments about the cap, which is basically he just said, look, the cap doesn't mean anything. You can do anything you want to do. You can get creative. And so, you know, we, we took away from his comments that it, it wasn't about the cap. It wasn't about the contract. The Patriots just weren't, we're only going to go so far as far as cash money. And now we know that wasn't very far at all. And, you know, look, uh, it's similar to what we were talking about. You know, I I don't want to hear anything about, um, you know, Hopkins in Tennessee in that offense with that quarterback. I mean, you know, you knew it was more of a sure thing, him coming here with an offensive coordinator that he was a three-time all pro with an offensive system that he knows he, it's probably being an easier transition for him here. Um, but it's just, it, it's certainly frustrating. I, I agree with you, Nick, um, you know, and, and really, you know, we talked about this last week. I mean, really, the Patriots chose Devontae Parker at about $5 million a year instead of uh, <clears throat> instead of DeAndre Hopkins at, I don't know, I think his base is like 10. And it's like, it's like, it's like nothing. And so we'll see. We'll see who was right because you can actually make a comparison to what Hopkins might have done here uh, based off of his past. And yeah, it's fr- especially after watching the offense the first two days, which we'll get into here um, in the red zone, you know, not having a real weapon down there. Um, you know, it, it, it might be a problem for this team. 
All right, before we get to your observations on offense and defense here early on in camp, uh, we will get on to uh, some other things like Dalvin Cook, Bill Belichick, some of the things that he has said the past couple of days. Uh, but but I think it's it's a pretty interesting thing that you pointed out in your column today at BSJ about Matthew Judon. Now, Judon's been at camp. He's been sprinting, as you wrote, like all-out sprints. So it doesn't seem like there's any lower body injury. There could be something upper body that you mentioned. Uh, we don't know, though. Uh, but the other possibility here, Greg, is Matthew Judon could be in a quote-unquote hold-in. And I'm sure you've got the money and numbers in front of you. But I'll just add this note before I get your thoughts. You know, over the weekend, I think it was Dan Roach, who is one of the best human beings in the business. Uh, Dan spoke with Judon, and Judon mentioned how he wanted to end his career here in New England and how he wanted to stay here. And just kind of thinking about this possibly being a hold-in, you know, maybe that was Judon kind of planting those seeds, saying, I want to be here, I want to stay here. Hey, Patriots fans, I love it here. But could this be a hold-in? The numbers behind this hold-in, Greg, and just your thoughts about Matthew Judon not actually participating in this training camp so far. Yeah, so so far what we've seen, he's he's been out there. He's been taking part in the conditioning period, which is pretty lengthy these first three days because there's only so much you can do as part of the uh, CBA ramp up process. And, uh, you know, he's out there for that today, full on sprinting full speed ahead. Uh, then he goes down to the rehab field, which today was uh, with uh, Demarcus Mitchell and Ramondre Stevenson, unfortunately, was down there today after participating the first day. And I even saw Matthew Judon do, you know, a few like lateral movements because, you know, it, when you see them do a sprint, that's one thing. You know, it could have a groin injury where you can't go side to side. Well, he was doing some of that stuff on the lower field. So, you know, if it's injury related, it's got to be something in the upper body, a shoulder or something like that. You know, we, we don't know. That could be it. I don't know. But to me, it has the look of a hold in where, you know, you can't under the new CBA, you can't really hold out. You get fined. They can't rescind the fines anymore. Um, so what the players do is if they're unhappy with their contract, they show up. This is similar to Stefan Gilmore. His final year when he was here before he got, you know, before he got hurt and then, yep. you know, whatever happened. But Stefan Gilmore showed up, but he wasn't participating in very much. So these guys show up and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm, not, I'm here just not to get fined. And they're not going to do anything until either their contract adjust, is adjusted or they start getting game checks, which don't start until the first week of the season. And so to me, it looks like Judon is holding in uh, with the Patriots. Again, I don't know that 100%. I will say that Mike Giardi, uh, our newest addition at, at BSJ, is going to have more on this later. And my understanding is that there were, through Mike, uh, through Mike's reporting, is that they had contract negotiation talks in the offseason that Judon was very open to. Uh, they did not go well. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm sure Mike will have more on that. But, um, you know, look, Matthew Judon is a guy who I think he's – is he through – how many years has he played here now? Two, I think. <clears throat> yes, two. So he basically his guaranteed money, most of it is gone. Um, and this is what you ran into with Stefan Gil uh, Gilmore. You know, these guys, when they get to a certain point in a certain stature, you know, they want their money up front. And, you know, it wouldn't take a whole lot for the Patriots just to like say, hey, we're going to guarantee this year or next year and then spread it out over the cap. It would drop his cap number. He would become a free agent at the same time. Um, 
But obviously, I'm sure the Patriots want to lock him up long term um, because he's been so good here, you know. But he's they're going to have to pay for that. Right now, Judon is making about you know over the next two years he makes like twelve million dollars in cash this year, ten million dollars in cash next year, and his OverTheCap.com valuation is like eighteen million. So you can understand why he wants something done to his contract. Either guarantee my money and I become a free agent after you know this two years from now. Or you pony up, pay me my market, and let's let's extend this thing. So it's it's something that definitely bears watching. Yeah, a few things on this. Uh, number one, as you mentioned with Matt Grow, boy oh boy, could could I just visualize Michael Felger doing cartwheels and and high fives at ninety eight five when Matt Gross pretty much told everybody the cap was crap. Uh, during his uh, during his presser, saying you could do anything with the with the cap, you can manipulate it in any way. That's something that Felger's been saying for roughly what fifteen years now. Yeah. So uh, for the people who want to use the cap as an excuse, get out of my face. Um, also, if you do want to use the cap as an excuse, the Patriots right now they have fifteen point five million dollars in space this year, Greg. Next year they have a hundred and seven million dollars in cap space. This is according to Over the Cap. Uh, so they have $107 million in cap space next year. And in 2025, this team has $217 million in cap space. And we know that these cap numbers and, and the salary cap is going to go up in the NFL because they go up every year. You just mentioned Judon's numbers. And and, and when you look at these other edge rushers, Greg, and, and the numbers that these guys are getting, you know, Joey Bosa is averaging 27 million a year. Miles Garrett's at 25 million a year. Wow. Khalil Mack is at 23.5 million. Max Crosby, who Greg and I both absolutely love, is at 23 and a half million dollars. Bradley Chubb, 22 million. So when you start to see these edge rushers and the money that they're bringing in, it makes a lot of sense for Judon to say, "Hey, man, it's it's time to kind of." talk about these things again, and, and maybe we can re-up with a little bit more money. Also, interestingly enough, if you're Judon and you're looking at these numbers, Nick Bosa right now is not at Niners camp. He wants his contract. If you're Judon, you know that contract's going to come in soon and Bosa's going to get lots and lots of money. And much like quarterbacks, when you're looking at the market, Judon's waiting for Bosa to get paid, I would imagine. And then he walks in and says, oh, you see what Nick Bosa just made? Because these other guys that are at the top, Joey Bosa's not a free agent until 2026. Garrett's not a free agent until 2027. So you have a number of years here before the top edge rushers are actually available. And obviously, Judon knows that. So if he waits for others outside of Nick Bosa, he might, he might be waiting forever and not get the deal he wants. So really, right now is the time to hit. It, it's to wait for that Bosa contract to happen, go back to the Patriots and say, I know where we were in the offseason. Obviously, like you just mentioned, Giardi says, you know, that things didn't go necessarily great with those negotiations. So I, I do think Judon has some leverage here. And let's be honest, let's be frank. We've talked about this, you and I, Greg. Not like the Patriots are riddled with blue chip players on this roster. And if I'm Belichick, I'm trying to do whatever I can to keep the player in-house. But, of course, if I were Belichick, I would have put up $11 million for DeAndre Hopkins. Before we get to Dalvin Cook and, and a couple of other things, speaking of Belichick, uh, let's remind people about the, the, the greatness, the greatness of our uh, partner in FanDuel, FanDuel.com. 
All right, let's jump to running back, Greg. Uh, something that you mentioned a little bit earlier that's interesting and we got to keep an eye on is Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, Stevenson was getting some rehab work in today. Ty Montgomery also came up limping uh, during practice today and, and was unable to return. You and I have talked about, I don't want to say the desperation to find another back, but we both feel like it's a necessity. And that was without Stevenson uh, you know, rehabbing already and without Montgomery getting another possible lower body injury, leg injury. Uh, so that brings up Dalvin Cook. And this is going to be interesting. Dalvin Cook reportedly, Tom Palacero of the NFL Network, says that Cook is visiting the Jets this weekend. Robert Sala spoke to the media in New York just a little while ago. He said that, you know, they're excited. There's some there's some physical things that they want to check out, which might be a red flag. Who knows? But he's visiting the Jets this weekend. Also talk, Greg, that the Patriots, I know Mike Giardi had this as well, the newest member of BSJ, a tremendous get for Greg. Fantastic hire by him. I see a lot of people excited about it. But Mike also tweeted out today that the Patriots have been engaged with the player. Uh, it's likely going to come down to money again. But there's another report from ESPN saying that Cook might actually take a visit with the Patriots if he gets out of the building uh, with the Jets. So just your thoughts overall on the running back situation now with Stevenson and Montgomery news and Dalvin Cook visiting the Jets and possibly lining up something with the Patriots as well. Yeah, it's not great for the Patriots at running back right now. Um, but a lot of things, you know, even when we get to talking about the offense, I'm not overly alarmed because it's it's early and, you know, they they haven't really gotten the crux of it. But, you know, it was a little bit alarming to see, you know, Kevin Harris, who is Kevin Harris is a big dude. He's well put together. He's he's more along the lines of Ramondre Stevenson. Pierre Strong got out there um, in J.J. Taylor. I would say that J.J. Taylor was the most effective out of all of them, and it wasn't even all that great. Um, you know, I don't know. I For whatever reason, Pierre Strong's had a tough time getting going, um, you know, just in general in his Patriots career. He did flash a couple times um, later in the year, the rookie year, so he showed some promise. And, you know, we'll see. I mean, these guys, right now, they're working in the red zone, um, especially when you're talking about Pierre Strong and J.J. Taylor, these are more guys between the 20s, right? third right. and third and medium, where they can get a matchup in some space. There's no space down in the red zone. This is not their area. So I'm not overly alarmed. But, you know, Cook, it'd be nice if they, if, if he came in for a visit. Um, you know, maybe if I, the Stevenson thing doesn't look major to me at all. Um, but, you know, if they get – if they decide to give Dalvin Cook a real contract, you know, it, it could raise some red flags about, you know, Stevenson. But I, I would be surprised if he gets out of New York. I mean, the Jets have a real need for a guy like him. Brees Hall's coming back from a very serious injury. Um, you don't know when he's he, he's going to be ready. And plus, you know, the Jets, now that Aaron Rodgers has redone his contract, I would imagine that they have a lot more money freed up to do things. Aaron Rodgers taking a pay cut for the Jets. Um, so maybe the timing is connected there and, you know, maybe they're just waiting for the physical stuff to check off. Like when they get him and get him in front of his doctors, um, that's sort of the final checklist for them. And, you know, of course it's good for Cook's agents to say, Oh, you know, the Patriots are waiting. We're going to, we're going to get in a car. We're going to get on a jet to go to Foxborough. If you don't lock us up and give us a real <laughs> offer. So, you know, that's, that's always a good game to play, but yeah, I mean, but Mac Rowe, Basically said yesterday, you know, talked a little bit about Dalvin Cook. And at the end of the day, he basically said, 
you know, he made a comment about how guys, guys who are variable right now are really, you know, getting cut rate deals like, you know, and, and it basically to me, I interpreted that as sure. We would love to have Dalvin cook if he doesn't want to make any money and take the minimum contract with us, like bare minimum with some incentives, like, sure. We'd love to have you, but that's not something that that cook's going to do. No. And we've talked about it. You've talked about it. You were on this early, you know, how much Stevenson makes and how would that go with cook? If you walked in making 9 million, 10 million probably wouldn't go great. Wouldn't necessarily make Stevenson feel good. Uh, And you, you also mentioned the Aaron Rodgers contract with that rework of the deal. You know, his cap number for this year is now, you know, just under $9 million. So they they definitely have created some wiggle room there. And, you know, Salah bringing up the physicals, again, could be a red flag, could be. But I, I kind of agree with you that this is more likely, hey, look, it's not going to be money. It's not going to be fit. It's not going to be that we don't want the player. We got to kind of, we got to get this guy looked at medically. And if he checks out, this deal is going to get done. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that. But I think Dalvin Cook is more likely to be a Jet than a Patriot, but I've been wrong before. All right, let's look at camp now. Uh, Offensive side of the ball so far, Greg. I know some people, I haven't seen a lot of this to, to be transparent, but I'm sure there are some people looking at these Mac Jones numbers and the Bailey Zappi numbers today going, oh, here we go. Time to get Bailey Zappi back in the mix. But your overall thought on on the offense and what they've done so far and, and really how they've been specifically honing in on the red zone. Yeah, I think it to me it's it's more about a continuation of stuff they didn't get to in OTAs. And you know, this is a major in red zone lower and they're working almost exclusively lower red zone. It's not, you know, it's all almost all of it's inside the 15 yard line and and you know, so we're not talking about like the the expanded red zone package, um, uh, you know, and so far, like, you know, it hasn't been great. I will say the operations been good. You know, I, I, I like what Billy O'Brien's doing. I like the route combinations. I like, you know, it's just the timings off and, um, look, the defense is always going to have the advantage early on in camp. I don't care what's going on with the team that happens. They also have an advantage in the red zone, especially the lower red zone. Cause there's, it's, it's compressed. They're not running with the threat of a running game. They barely ever run the ball right now. They almost today they would skip ahead. They would do first and ten. Then once they got to the end goal, they just skipped to second down because they're like, we're going to run on first down. Let's not even work. <laughs> so so there's no real threat of play action. It's a compressed area of the field. Not much room to operate. There's no threat of the deep ball to to create space. Um, you know, and as far as Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi go, um. You know, yeah, you could say that Zappy's been a little bit better, especially today. But I also take into account that Mac Jones is actually trying passes that are high degree of difficulty. A lot of them are, you know, to the back pylon, back part of the 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 end zone. He's trying to squeeze balls in, and that's what practice is for. Um, you know, to work with these guys. Whereas Zappy is sort of captain checkdown, like taking in the flat, something before the goal line, like you know. So his stats are going to be better. Um, but you know, nothing the first two days has made me say like, uh Oh, Mac Jones is in trouble. Like, you know, you know, like I said, when Cam Newton and Mac Jones were here and when, uh, you know, people, whether it was on radio or in newspapers, some people were saying, Oh, this is over before it even begins. And I'm telling people they haven't done anything yet. Like it hasn't started yet. 
once they get to stuff between the 20s and you know even one-on-ones wide receivers and cornerbacks that's useful and and for both sides but it's really between the ton 20s two-minute drills situational stuff with the full field you know that's when the real quarterbacking is evaluated and you know we'll probably start to get there at some point next week but it's it's very early i would not read anything into it i wouldn't even read into you know you hear this all the time this i don't know whether to think you know the offense is bad or is the defense really good we don't know anything about either at this point so just let let it burn it's going to be a slow burn let it go as soon as the real stuff goes on and you know if you need to be concerned or not you know who to turn to to give you the 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 real scoop on on what's going on in the field and and we'll keep you up to date all right before we move forward i want to pause here for a minute because i just saw kelly pull up and she's going to walk through the door and sammy might lose her mind so i want the dog barking in the middle of it now let me ask you a follow-up though greg to the offense uh, I know what you wrote today, but for people that didn't catch what you wrote and they're listening to the pod, uh, Tyquan Thornton's been pretty much invisible. Kendrick Bourne's been pretty much invisible. Any concern or kind of like Pierre Strong, those guys aren't necessarily red zone beasts, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, when when they've been working the red zone stuff, it's almost been all two tight ends. Um, And it's really been Devontae Parker and Juju Smith-Schuster out there. Um, You know, I will say... I haven't been overly impressed with Juju to this point. You know, I will say that I think he's working himself into shape. I would say he looks a little soft to me. And look, that's not unusual. He missed basically the whole offseason. So I'm not overly alarmed with that. I'm overly alarmed with the increased injury factor um, since he's not in ideal shape. Um, You know, Parker's been okay. You know, Thornton and Bourne have been individual, uh, in, in, invisible, but I do think that's more about they're not really they're not going to be out there in red zone. It's going to be the two tight ends and two wide receivers. Uh, they're two highest paid wide receivers, and you know a running back. Um, and so you know Gesicki, you know a little bit of a slow start. Again, I'm not alarmed. He's new. Mac Jones is getting used to him. He he's much better throwing to uh, you know Hunter Henry. You know, his good buddy going to Taylor Swift concerts. Um, you know, those guys work really well together. Um, so, you know, it's been it's been a slow start for the offense. But, you know, look, I am not alarmed. People love to make it out that I'm Mr. Negative and I'm harping on like. But even with this, like, I'm like, don't worry about it. It's early. It, nothing to be alarmed about. I know everybody wants to come out the first couple of days and be like, yeah, the offense, it's clicking. They're doing this. And Billy O'Brien's cooking and all this stuff. Like we'll get there, but it's going to, it's, it's going to be a process, but I will say the overall execution, the, the, the maneuvering, how things are operating. Um, I really like what I've seen. And, you know, it's clear that Billy O'Brien and even heard Trent Brown talk about this. Who's, you know, first of all, he's in a great mood and he does look really good. You know, we were we were tough on him for mini camp, so let's give him his props. Um, but, he, you know, he, he even talked about Billy O'Brien bringing energy and Billy does that. And, you know, there was a period right in front of the media where Billy O was teaching, uh, coaching up the quarterbacks and some of the wide receivers on these combo routes down in the red zone. And he was always coaching them and and, you know, slapping some butts and stuff like that. So. It was really good. All that stuff is a complete departure from last year. And Mac Jones being audible at the line, changing things, changing plays, changing protections, that stuff just didn't go on last year. They just 
here's the play, run it. Even though you know it's going to be into a brick wall, run it, which was pointless as we now know. Billy OB taking notes, slapping asses. Love to see it. <laughs> uh, Trent Brown. Uh, I'm glad you brought him up because I was going to ask you about him. Uh, and look, I've been all over him talking about how, you know, he's just been out of shape and he, he's been incredibly uh, out of shape at, in, in certain situations and at certain times throughout his career. And he showed up at mandatory minicamp and he wasn't looking like he was in shape. He showed up late. So I think the criticism that you and I had were, were it was justified. Mm-hmm. But like we've always said, you and I call it as objectively as we can. We criticize when we think there's criticism deserved. And we also tip the cap when we feel like we should give credit to players or, or the team. And so Trent Brown showing up seemingly in better shape now. Uh, he's been out there and you just said he's looked good. I, I've read in other places he's he's looked really good. So I just hope that this version of Trent Brown right now is the version of Trent Brown that we have in week five, week 10, week 15 throughout the season, because it has been a roller coaster with him. The ebbs and flows drive me nuts. If you get the totally engaged, embracing football in shape version of Trent Brown, you're going to get a really good left tackle. If you get the wavering Trent Brown, you're going to get an unknown week in and week out, which is not what this team needs specifically given the right tackle situation, which looks like it's going to be Riley reef as of right now. So hopefully Trent Brown stays on that track. Let's I will jump say, the- you know, Nick, uh, just one more thing on that. Sure. You know, uh, Trent Brown, to me, he has the air of a guy who knows he's about to get a little contract bump. Um, and I will say, you know, if uh, he does look like he's turned over a new leaf, which is great. And, and you know, like you said, the importance of that to this team and this offense cannot be understated. And especially considering so far in camp after two days, you know, I, this I will be a, a little bit alarmed about. Um, right tackle's been like a disaster so far. Um, Riley Reef's got run around um, more than a few times. Connor McDermott is the backup. And City So is, you know, getting like crap third team um, reps. So uh, the big fella better nail down left tackle because it looks like they're going to have to put a lot of resources to helping out the right side. Great. Just great, Greg. Thank you for that. Uh, let's let's jump to the defensive side. As uh, as mediocre as the offense has looked in the red zone, the defense has looked really good. Uh, how much stock do you put into that, Greg? As you just mentioned a little while ago, defense is always ahead of the offense, and we're talking about tighter quarters here. Yeah, um, you know, a little bit. I mean, I'm encouraged. You know, we should note that Christian Gonzalez and Jonathan Jones, um, you know, were the starting cornerbacks um you know for the team uh miles bryant the first day and marcus jones the second day were sort of manning the slot marcus jones moved outside today also to the so the top three today were gonzalez uh jonathan jones and marcus jones jack jones um has been demoted it looks like he hasn't touched first team reps through two days that can obviously change tomorrow um it looks like the patriots are sort of trying to teach him a little bit of a lesson about what happened um, this offseason, which is, you know, good to see. It was, you know, I, you know, after Bill's comments to open up camp about like, oh, yeah, he'll be out here, you know, like no big deal. Like, you know, I I was a little bit worried, um, but it seems like they are trying to uh, reinforce the lesson about, you know, you need to do the right things 
around here, and I'm sure he'll have the opportunity to earn back his playing time. But it's going to take uh, time, and and you know he needs to deal with this in the best way possible. And if he does that, then he'll get boosted up. Um, you know, as far as the rest of the defense, you know, a lot of change in between the safeties, which we which we figured. You know, some Jalen Mills out there. Um, Kyle Duggar has gotten off to a very fast camp. I think he has an interception each of the first two days of Mac Jones. Um, looks really good. I did want to note one thing I left out of my camp report today that I wanted to note is that Keon White got a lot of reps today. Uh, I didn't see a whole lot of Dietrich Wise. And of course, I think it has to do with Matthew Judon not being out there, like moving some guys around. But hey, it's good to see the second round pick um, getting some looks. I didn't notice him doing, you know, a whole lot uh, impacting much, but, you know, he's a rookie and, and learning things. Um, Jelani Tavai, I think, has gotten off to a good start. Jabril Peppers is flying all over the place. Um, so, you know, good start, you know, for the defense. I'm not going to go nuts about it. I want to see these guys, again, between the 20s with some space to worry about. You know, um, I think it was Giardi and I talked about the other day, you know, we have some trepidation about the free safety um, that, you know, it's fine on early downs. They can figure that stuff out. But, you know, when you're going up against Josh Allen, it's third and 10, you got to get off the field. Who's yeah. that deep safety that's in charge of everything? I think that's a big question mark for this team. Yeah. And, and, you know, Jabril Peppers is a guy that you and I haven't talked a ton about. I know you touched on him with Giardi earlier in the week. I'm really excited to see him now with a year under his belt in the program. He's always been mm-hmm. a guy that Belichick's had his eyes on. He seems fully healthy. I think he could be a, a decent weapon for this defense. So I'm really, he got better as the year went along last year. He seemed more aggressive. He was attacking a little bit more downhill. Looked like he got a little bit more of his athleticism back. Really excited about him. All right. Uh, before we get to a BSJ member question of the day, or we can just sit here and talk bad about Mike Giardi, uh, Bill Belichick, press conferences the first couple days, as is usually the case, met with the media. Uh, anything that jumped out to you, Greg, the last uh, one or two times that he has spoken to you guys? Mm, not really. I, I would just say overall, it just seems like uh, Bill and Mac, even though we have seen them, they interacted the first day a little bit, um, a little coaching going on from Belichick to Mac, which he was receptive about. Um, it just seems like both of them like just want to sort of avoid the the Bill and Mac topic they try to get out of it as quickly as possible or or quickly deflect like he was asked about yeah a, a question today about um bill was asked about mac jones and you know he he went straight to like you know grouping it with every other player and you know mac jones was asked about bill and he you know he says oh he's really good with defense and he quickly goes on to billy o'brien and evan rothstein and so um you know i i uh yeah, I mean, I, I just think that's that's still tenuous, but I think it's it that's something after what happened last year, it's going to be a day by day thing. And Mac talks, talked about earning you know trust and of his teammates, but also you know he knows of his coaches, and he, I, I give credit for Mac for being you know honest about you know his part in what happened last year. He's been the only guy who's been honest about that, and and I think that's necessary to earn the trust of his teammates. You know, I do wish that that bill would do that to earn the trust of his players. But, you know, we know that's not going to happen, but, you know, look, I think they're, they're making incremental progress and, and, you know, that's important to this team. All right. Uh, I'll give the floor to you BSJ member question, or just kind of an update on things, how how things are going at BSJ uh, with, as we mentioned earlier, Mike Giardi joining the, uh, the site, which is a big get for you. 
Giardi's a well-respected guy, knows a lot of people in the league. He's well-connected. I think he does some great work. Uh, or you could just do both, Greg, really. You could just smack people over the head with Mike Giardi's hiring and then give us the BSJ member question. What do you got? Uh, so, I, you know, I don't have a, a whole lot. And uh, uh, these uh, these practice days, I'm a little bit slow on um, the mental side of things. Uh, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, uh, you know, looking forward to so far, it's been an easy transition um, with me and Mike. I mean, I, you know, I will say it's gonna, it's gonna take some time for us to figure out, you know, our our rhyme and rhythm, um, you know, sort of like uh, with Mac Jones with uh, Mike Kosicki and Juju Smith-Schuster, it's gonna, you know, take some reps and things like that. And and Mike's been out of the writing game for a little bit, but, um, you know, but he's, he's gonna do good work for us. And, you know, and, uh, you know, I look forward to it. Um, yeah, I don't think I have a whole lot at this point. All right. Well, you can check out Mike Giardi's work at BSJ. Of course, Greg is there. Corrales is there. Good stuff happening. Uh, this podcast continues. Uh, and of course, as always, it's brought to you by our friends at FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Sign up now at FanDuel.com slash Boston. And new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. And uh, shout-out to uh, the Red Sox, by the way, who won back-to-back games against the best team in baseball. Nice come-from-behind win last night. Bayo pitched pretty well. Um, the deadline nearing, interesting stuff. Lots happening in Boston with Jalen Brown getting the contract extension. And, of course, Patrice waving goodbye, which was, uh, you know, sad thing, expected but sad, emotional to see uh, Bergie end up uh, calling it a career, but uh, well-deserved ending on his terms. So said he wanted to go out on top, and you can certainly respect and appreciate that. So you can check out all of that news, all the columns. I know Giardi wrote about Bergeron as well. You can check it out at BSJ. Uh, Until next time, he's Greg. I'm Nick. It's the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cap. (laughs) 